uh, you can uh, put that on there as well. In Matthew chapter number 18, there is a, there's a very interesting uh, portion. If you, begin at the, if you begin at the start of the chapter, uh, Jesus and his disciples are going to have this conversation. And they're going to start talking about, well, who is the greatest? And then it, it leads into a parable that Jesus teaches about a lost sheep. And, and then in the middle of the chapter, in verse 15, Jesus begins to say what to do if a brother sins against you. He starts, starts that in, in, in verse number 15, and he reads on, and it goes all the way down to verse number 20. In some circles, this, would, this passage would be considered what uh, would be called church discipline, and I know the word discipline always has this negative connotation, but in many ways, it's Jesus saying, how do we deal with an issue that's inside of uh, the community of believers, and he gives us some instructions to do that, and then, then Peter is going to ask him a question. And when Peter asks him a question, we have to understand a little bit about what's going on in this context. He's going to ask him about forgiving. And that the title of the message today, and it's a shortened message, so don't worry, we're not, going to, we're not going to be here terribly long. But the title of the message is, Forgiven Means Forgiveness. Forgiven Means Forgiveness. And so we're going to look at the, the very beginning of Matthew chapter 18, verse, verse 21. Sorry, not the beginning, but in verses 21 and 22. And Peter is going to ask this question to Jesus. This is right after Jesus' command to forgive someone. He says in verse number 21, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now let me pause and explain why Peter says seven times. It was custom in this day for you to forgive someone three times. They do something wrong to you, you forgive them. They do the same thing to you again, you forgive them. They do the same thing to you, you forgive them. And on that third time, it would be to say, I've forgiven you three times. That's it. But Peter's going to come and he's going to take the customary forgiveness and he's going to double it and then add one for good measure. I think because Peter's trying to get to that number seven, and that number seven is a perfection number in the scriptures. When, when something has seven, it has this idea of completion and perfection, like the seven days of creation. Or sometimes you'll see the seven spirits in Revelation. That's just the spirit of God represented as perfection or completion. Seven is a number of perfection or completion. And so Peter comes and says, well, you know what? Should I forgive him seven times thinking Jesus is going to be like, wow, Peter, you're going to do seven? That's not Jesus' response. In verse 22, it says, Jesus said to him, I do, not, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or in some translations, it would read 70 times seven. Again, that number seven, so key. And what Jesus is saying is, no, Peter, you think that seven is enough. That's not enough. And I'd love to talk about what that, what that would mean, the 70 times 7 or 77, but we don't have time for that today. So Jesus gives him this answer and immediately goes into a parable. Now we got to understand what a parable is. He's going to tell this parable about a, an unmerciful servant. Now, I know that you probably know what a parable is, but I'm just saying this to help the little ones that are in it. Hey, if you're, if you're under the age of 12 
Would you help me with the underlined words behind me if you're under the age of 12? I'm going to say it, right? So here's what a parable is. A parable is a story that is what? Okay, let me try that again. If you're under the age of 12, help me out. A parable is a story that is? But it teaches? Thank you so much. A parable is a story that is not true, but it, it's there to teach the truth. So Jesus is going to begin to tell this story, and, and we're going to just read through it together in Matthew chapter number 18. He begins like this, verse number 23. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So this king calls in everybody that he has given something to, and he says, I want you to come, and I'm going to collect. Verse number 24. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him Millions of dollars is how the New Living Translation says it. Millions of dollars. What are we going to do here? Well, it says in verse number 25, he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay the debt. So this guy, he owed a huge debt. And the king said, I'm sorry, if you can't pay me, I'm going to sell you. I'm going to sell your wife. I'm going to sell your children. I'm going to sell everything that you have because this debt needs to be paid. Now, now let's be honest. Let's stop for just a moment. Does that seem fair? But if he owed the money, how come it's not fair? Does it seem fair? I mean, this guy took millions of dollars from the king, and now he can't pay it back. And so the king is going to sell this man to try to get back some of the money. But, but look what happens. Verse 26 says, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please, notice these words, be patient with me and I will pay it all. Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And how do you think the king is going to react when this man asks for mercy? king does this. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. <laughs> this man owed millions of dollars, and the king was going to sell him and his wife and his kids, and he sell everything. He would have had nothing. He was going to be sent to prison. And, and the king, he fell down before him, and he grabbed his feet and said, please be merciful to me. And the king had pity and said, I forgive you. He released him, forgave his debt. What do you, how do you think this guy's going to live now? Oh, this guy's going to live as if I have been freed. Oh, yes, what a joyous life I get to live now. But that's not what we find. That's not the parable that Jesus says. Instead, it says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, a few thousand dollars was probably a lot of money to that servant, but in comparison to the millions of dollars he owed the king, this thousands of dollars that this guy owed him wasn't a whole lot. But then it, look what it says. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Pay me now. All of it. Look at what this man does. His fellow servant fell down. Oh, that sounds familiar. That's just what this man did in front of the king. He fell down before him and begged for a little more time. And oh, that, that's just what this man had just done in front of the king. Be patient with me. That's exactly what this man had just said to the king. And I will pay it. 
This man is repeating the very same words that he had just heard. The, 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 the servant is replaying the same words that the man he owes money had just spoken to the king. Well, of course this guy's going to act the same way the king did, won't he? Yeah, you're right. Verse 30. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. I got a question to ask you. How's somebody going to pay off a debt if he's in prison? And basically, what he's saying, what we're, what we're seeing Jesus say is, this man is going to be put in prison forever. He'll never be able to pay off that debt. Wow, that's just such a strange parable that Jesus is telling. But it doesn't end here. It says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And so some people had seen this interaction and they went back to the king that had offered forgiveness and they told him what had just happened. So what does the king do? The king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you. You understand the logic of the king, right? Hey, listen, I've forgiven you of a huge debt. You go and someone owes you a small debt. You don't forgive them. What is the king going to do? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. I, let's go back to this truth. If you go to prison, you're not going to be able to pay off a debt. That means this king was sending this man off to be tortured forever. Then Jesus kind of sums up this parable with a strange and a hard statement. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, what an, what an interesting parable that Jesus is going to tell. But remember, it's not just a story that's not true. It's a story that's teaching a Truth. So why, why in the world would Jesus begin to tell this story? And, and what purpose is he trying to accomplish? But can we go back then and, and can you help me answer some questions, kids? Can you just help me answer questions? What question did Peter ask Jesus that led him to tell this parable? Does anybody remember what question that Peter asked Jesus, when this whole thing got started, say, I tried me again. Anybody know? Yes, ma'am. How many times do I have to forgive someone? That's Peter's answer or Peter's question. How many times do I have to forgive someone? I, ha, have you ever thought that? 
Whether you're five and somebody is annoying you, or whether you're 50 and someone is annoying you. But let's be honest, the What happens as we get adults, the hurts that we feel are far more damaging and often far deeper than what we feel as a five and six and a seven and a 10 year old as we start to become adults and we're making decisions that affect our futures and our family's futures and the lives and the people with whom we interact. It could very easily become very hurtful. And I promise you that there are people who go to churches all over this country on Sunday who walk in and there is deep hurt that they have felt for a long time. And they'll sit in a sermon, they'll sit in a church service, and they'll sing about the glories of their king with unresolved bitterness in their heart and say, I'll sing about Jesus, but I'm not going to forgive that person. I'll sing about the incredible debt that I owed that was forgiven to me, but when it comes to what that person did, there's just a limit. I guess the question then, if I could ask you as a church, as us as a church to consider is, how many times do we have to forgive someone? Two. All right, good. Yeah, that's, that's what... A lot of times I do. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Give you one chance, two chances. One chance. Oh, one chance over here. I mean, you don't want to live in that household. Uh, sorry about that, Chelsea. Yeah. May I, may I answer this question with a question? How many times do we have to forgive someone? Well, let me ask you the question or answer that with a question. How many times do we want God to forgive us? I mean, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know about you, but it's a daily thing for me to go to God and say, I'm really sorry. I mean, I'm not talking like once a day. I'm like regularly throughout the day, I think, Lord, I, I shouldn't have had that thought. I shouldn't have said those words. I shouldn't have been as unkind if, if I'm, Driving with my wife and she's driving, I'm apologizing to the Lord on her behalf for the way she's acting towards the other drivers on the road. <laughs> now, please forgive me for that, Jamie. You have to forgive me for that because we're, we're talking about forgiving, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I know I, lay, I, I didn't do this because I was preaching this morning. I laid my head on my pillow last night and I thought through my day and I was like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Don't I want every time I go to God and say, please forgive me, don't I want him to say, yes, son, I forgive you. Well, how can we go to our father, our heavenly father, and say, forgive me every time I ask, but when someone comes to us and asks forgiveness, our limit is two. Or one, if you're in the Garcia household, right? <laughs> that leads to another question. How do I show someone? How do we show people that we have been forgiven? 
I mean, we are believers in Jesus Christ. And a part of our confession of faith is we know that what Jesus did on that cross and then buried and then rose again as he took our sins with him. He paid the debt of sin that we could not pay. And when he went into the ground, he took those sins with him and they were buried and he paid the price. And when he rose from the grave, he rose with new life and he offers that new life to anyone who believes in the work that he has done and in the person that he claims to be as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as the one sent to deliver the world from sin. If we believe that, we can be forgiven. That's what we believe. So we confess. How do we show that then? How do people know that we have been forgiven of our unrighteousness and forgiven of our sin? How, 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 how do they know that? By forgiving them. One of the most important evidences of our lives when it comes to being a believer in Jesus Christ is the interaction that we have with other people. And at the ages of five and six and seven, yeah, it might be brothers and sisters. There might be schoolmates and it may not be that deep. But hey, as we get into our 20s and our 30s and our 40s and older and there are family issues and there are hurts and there are deep wounds, we have to come back to the realization that our king has forgiven us of a debt that is untold millions upon millions upon millions if we were to be piled up and someone has hurt us and they've hurt us to a degree of thousands and thousands which is a lot for me if you asked me to give you a few thousand dollars I couldn't do it but in comparison to what we've been forgiven so I just I just want to share three three brief thoughts one last question when will we stop offering forgiveness to others though i hear you chad chad said we should never we should never stop but let's be honest have we gone through dry seasons of life have we gone through spiritual weakness, spiritual darkness, spiritual backsliding in our lives? And it's in those moments where our heart begins to grow hard to other people. We stop offering forgiveness. We stop offering kindness and compassion that was shown to us. When, do, when will we stop? offering forgiveness to others? And the answer is when we stop remembering that God has forgiven us. This is why we, church, need to be daily preaching the gospel to our hearts. Do you know the gospel? The gospel that, that man had sinned and so that his righteousness in the person of Jesus, like that's the gospel that's what we had to believe in order to receive it. But it becomes very easy for us to just live a Christian life 
and forget what Jesus did for us. And when we forget what Jesus did for us, we will not offer it to someone else. I, I, think, that, I think one of the, that last verse that we read that Jesus said, I think it's really hard. I, I, looked, I spent some time looking at it this week. Could you find that for me, Matt? I'm so sorry. I, just the last, the last Bible verse, and just, just put, it, put it back up there for me. Jesus says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus says very similar words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 6. And this is so strange because if we're not careful, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to understand salvation to be work-based. We'll read this verse and go and say, my heavenly father won't forgive me if I don't forgive them. And so I've got to forgive them in order to find the forgiveness from him. And it sounds very similar in Matthew chapter number six, where Jesus says your heavenly father isn't going to forgive you if you don't forgive others. And I, I do not at all believe what Jesus is trying to imply is that you need to start the forgiveness with others in order to gain the forgiveness with God. What I believe Jesus was very clearly trying to portray is there are people who are in their 50s and 60s, 30s and 40s, all of it, who at the, will claim at the age of five or six or seven that they prayed a prayer that they signed a card, that they walked an aisle, that they raised a hand, and in that moment they will claim that they received forgiveness from the king. But now at the age that they are as adults, they live a life that is so far from what Jesus would desire for them. And they don't live a life offering forgiveness and compassion and love and kindness to others. And I really believe what Jesus is trying to say is, do not assume that you have been forgiven if you are not someone who forgives. Because the evidence of your forgiveness will come out in forgiveness. And again, I'm not trying to go works-based salvation whatsoever. We must believe. But I, I really fully believe that there are going to be people who will stand before the king one day. And he is going to send them to an eternal damnation. And they're going to say, but I, I stood in front of you before and asked for your forgiveness. And he's going to say, and I looked at your life, and there was no evidence that what we did that you understood. And if you didn't understand what I did for you, then how can I forgive you? And I, I mean, I, I just I feel like we, we have dumbed down the gospel to someone simply saying a prayer. And that is not the truth. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That is so true. And that not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You are not saved by, you are saved by grace through faith. You are not saved by works. But we leave off verse 10 says, for we are created in him to be a workmanship created unto good works. We are saved from our sin in order to serve the king. And if we are truly a group of followers of the king, we should be living like the king. Which means if we're going to receive forgiveness from the king, we offer that forgiveness to others. If we're going to receive love, we offer that love. If we're going to receive compassion, we offer that compassion 
Think of your life not as a bucket of having received the forgiveness of Jesus, but as a funnel where the forgiveness of Jesus comes and it flows right through you to other people. And it doesn't stop with you. So, hey, kids, when you go home and your brother or sister takes that toy from you, you can forgive them. And hey, mom and dad, when that spouse says something that you don't really like, you can forgive them. And if you walked in here today and there's a, there's a lingering hurt, may I encourage you, before you look at the thousands, look at the millions that you've been forgiven and say, how can I express the same forgiveness that I've received to someone else?